Don't ever forget that person. Put them in your database, over-service them. And even if they do stay in that home for 20 years, I tell you now, they will tell every single person, every friend, family member who was thinking of selling about you if you just treat them like gold. So past clients are the lifeblood of your business. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of elite agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner, Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts, visit EliteAgentElevate.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. My guest today is Tanya Nevin-Jones of O'Brien Real Estate in Melbourne. Tanya was among the agents invited to speak at ARIC 2021 in May this year, where she offered a great session on how to have a bigger future. So Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you, Samantha. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here with us after hearing you speak at Eric. I just want to say how much I enjoyed your session. Thank you. What was it like to be asked to present at Eric? Well, I think most agents, it's one of their dreams or one of their BHAGs, their big, hairy, audacious goal is to, to be, I guess, asked to speak at ARIC. It is the biggest conference in Australia, if not one of the biggest conferences on the planet. So to get that phone call from Tom Panos floored me, first of all, and then you go through these stages, it's, oh my God, oh my God, and then, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> you know, you've then got to actually come up with a, a presentation and something that people will engage with it's only 20 minutes which it does feel like forever on a stage but I think you know one of the things that really meant something to me was every time I go to a conference what is it that I want to take away I I want to be inspirational I want to be motivational but I also want content and takeaways for people so that was really important when I did draft that presentation to make sure that I included all three of those elements so that um, something there was something for everyone. I thought that was amazing and I guess we're going to get on to some of your takeaways from in, in a moment but I just wanted to ask you as well, like you would have sat in and listened to some of the other presentations, what were some of the big things that you took away yourself back to Melbourne when you went back? Uh, look, I think um, the first morning of ARIC was a bit of a blur for me because, again, my nerves were, were kicking in and then after my presentation like, there was a bit of adrenaline so sort of two-thirds of the day was... Uh, Look, there was there was some great content. I love Matt Pilios. You know, first up, he was just sensational. From a motivational point of view, he was great. I loved that he worked in blocks and that he has his sprints that he does. I took that away as this is something that I can implement because otherwise you do have nothing to look forward to as an agent. You just keep working, 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 working. But the way he does his two yearly sprints, I think that is something that I will certainly implement. I loved Kathy from Central New South Wales as well 
well because I'm very much client care focused as well. But she had some wonderful things like her magazine that she she has for her clients and the way she treats her team. I think she was just sensational. Look, there were the, again. It's it's. I have my notes. I have my little books that I come back and I still need to sit with my team and come up with what the top three that we're going to implement. We've come out of a lockdown in Melbourne. So as soon as we've come out of that lockdown, it's been go, go, go. So we're inundated at the moment. I was just going to say it must have been um, tricky too, just sort of be on stage at Arik. Everyone's doing their thing up, up here on the Gold Coast, just almost it's almost like back to normal up here and then you had to go back to Melbourne so what was that like after coming off the high of of being up here and then and that's exactly right we go to ARAC and this year um, more than ever I think us Victorians well everyone was looking forward to it because we missed out on last year it was a sold out event and you couldn't get a ticket for ARAC but then all of a sudden when the borders shut it was a strange feeling to know that there are 800 Victorians that couldn't make it and the ones that did land weren't allowed to come in and had to watch it from a hotel room. We were really looking forward to, you know, attending the conference in person, to seeing and catching up with our interstate mates, you know, implementing, learning, just watching some of the greatest speakers I think that Eric's ever had. And then um, all of a sudden we came back to Victoria for a total lockdown. Couldn't do an open for inspection, couldn't couldn't do a listing presentation, couldn't come in and see our teammates and share um, with the rest of the office what we'd just learnt and see and were motivated by. It was, I got off the plane, had to go home and could not leave my house apart from the two hours of exercise a day and to do some grocery shopping. We could do things like this via Zoom. I did some Zoom appraisals, caught up with my team, did some training. But apart from that, it was, we want to go, 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 go and hit the ground running after a conference like Eric but we just couldn't do it. It was like putting a gigantic handbrake on us. It was really hard. Yeah, and how are, some, how are you and some of your colleagues finding it? Because you guys have, I mean, I really feel for you. You guys have been through four lockdowns or something like that. And this was 4.0. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. Whenever we come out of a lockdown, we see this gigantic spike that happens with buyer inquiry, listing presentations and and buyer activity. So it's like the lockdown puts a focus on our current living arrangements and all of a sudden people then just say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I need the bigger home. I need the study. I can't live with that person anymore. First home buyers can't live with their mum and dads anymore and they just get really active. So the last couple of days before the lockdown finishes, we see so much inquiry, we get so much, so many people that want to book buyer appointments. So when we do get out of that lockdown, we are flat out, like absolutely flat out. So it's been fantastic. Last Saturday was just out of control. I think we sold every bit of stock that we've got on the book. So now it's that mad scramble to replenish the stock levels, but we haven't been able to physically prospect apart from phone calls, Zoom calls, and just connecting with the database to try and make sure that we're explaining to people, don't be scared by lockdowns. In fact, they enhance and get the property market moving again. It sounds like your sprints right there. It's yeah, almost like absolutely. go hard and then hot and then a break, then go hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our lockdown is our forced break because yeah, <laughs> we are literally we are literally go, go, go. When we are let out, it is out of control. Which is good. We love it. We love it. It would be good being able to refresh and reflect and relax a little bit and I don't know, do your push ups or whatever and 
that's not me. <laughs> not me. Not me either, no right? <laughs> right there with you. So, Ad Eric, you shared a bit of a story about building your career not not just once but twice. So, for those that weren't there, would you mind sharing a little bit of that story again? Yeah, sure. So I have an interesting real estate journey. I started in 2003 and did very well very quickly. Became a business owner um, and a shareholder in a four office network where I owned 40% of that. Look, things essentially went pear-shaped and um, 10 years into my real estate career or 10 years into my real estate career, I literally had to start again. There is a big backstory to that, but I don't think it's fair that I share that because there were other business owners involved with that. We all have very different versions of what happened to our business partnership and how it broke down. However, essentially I had to start from square one in 2013 and it was kind of, and I have just spoken about, you know, kind of like resetting. The thing is I had 10 years of experience as to how to start, where to start and what were the dollar productive activities that could get me back up on my feet and back up very quickly. So rather than knocking on doors and doing cold calls, what I did was I actually went to the business owner where I started working as a sales consultant got the warm data and started calling people that we had connected with in the past by either appraising their home or selling them a property and just starting that relationship from square one. But it was warm data and it was warm clients. They knew who the brand they transacted with us in the past and effectively it was information sitting within the office that had been completely underserviced and it was just an easy pickup for me to start and start again. Do you think that's the case in a lot of offices? Like new agents come in and they go, oh my God, where do I start? Because I don't have a database, I don't have a CRM, I don't have a this or that or, you know, any past Yeah, uh, and I think it's the, yes, the new agents come in and say, I don't know where to start, but it's also business owners that don't know where to start them either. Business owners completely neglect the data that they've already got. They really do. And, and that's where I had to identify, well, for me to recover and recover quickly, because I had a lot of debt after losing a business and I simply had to make commission and do it very quickly. The best place to do that was not walking up and down the streets knocking on doors or cold calling a street that somebody, they simply didn't want to talk to me. It was actually reconnecting with people that had transacted with us and you know what, they were grateful for the phone call. Yeah. Actually grateful for the phone call. It's interesting because like it it's hard because a lot of coaches out there tell agents to make a lot of calls. If you're not getting enough leads, make more calls. Well, there was a story on the weekend in Sydney about how an agent was that there was a vendor that wanted to take out a, a like a restraining order <laughs> no, <laughs> because they'd been contacting her too often. And I've just got a friend who's about to sell his property. And even he said to me, look, I've been really afraid to sort of engage with some agents because as soon as they get a sniff of the fact that you're selling, they're just all over you. Do you have any tips for being able to call people and connect with them, but not not appear stalkerish. Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's just ask permission for the next to make the next phone call. So one of the things I'll do is I'll make that phone call that says, hey, look, it's been four years since we've been out to your property. I was hoping if I could come out tomorrow at two o'clock just to let you know what it's worth in today's market. So you're asking permission, can I come out at two o'clock? Once I've done that appraisal, I do let them know that, hey, I will be calling you tomorrow just to follow up to see if you've got any further questions. And then once I make that follow up phone call, the next question I ask is, when would you like me to call you again? In a week's time, two weeks time? No, you know what, Tanya, call me in a month. 
So then I put it in a diary and I call them because they've given me permission to do so. So it's whenever you do get that lead, the first thing I ask is how frequently would you like me to call you? Is it okay if I do the follow-up call tomorrow? Is it okay if I call you in two weeks? You've said to me that you're renovating and you've got a little bit of work to do. That timeline is a month. Can I call you at the end of the month just to see if that is tracking okay? The other thing I always ask for is if I'm calling the people that I know that live in a street where I've just had the result, I do say to them, look, is it all right if I call you with any significant results? Not every result, but any significant result that may be um, relevant to you because it's about frequency and being relevant to the client, not bombarding them, as you said, with useless information that they don't care. It's about giving, not just taking. So I always ask permission and I also dictate, I guess, the timeline to them. Hey, is it all right in a week? Is it all right in a month? You tell me when you want me to call you and believe me, that'll go in my diary and you will get a call on that day. I love that actually because they're both questions that um, require a response. Yeah. So you know that that whole idea of I've got some time at, at two o'clock would that be okay? And that whole idea of when can I call you again? I think that they're both brilliant. I just want to pick up on that one thing. Like you suggested a time in the afternoon. Does that mean you're a mornings in, afternoons out kind of? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. So mornings are for calls, it's for follow-up, it's for all of that office activity, but it's for also the call session blocks. Afternoons when we do the appointments. So pretty much after lunch. So I will do call sessions in the morning, a little bit of admin. I do directions meeting with my team. Then we sit down, have lunch, and then it's go, go, go in the afternoon. So it's buyer appointments, it's listing presentations in the afternoon. And if we do have, you know, if, if we, we try to do open for inspection, midweek open for inspections as well so it's all appointments in the afternoon that's for productivity yeah like it's better to batch things in the morning and yeah absolutely and I get into the office and it's great to see the team it's great to catch up it really is we sit down we do our call sessions I have an assistant that will print out the lists of who I've got to call we have and I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later the client care staff and the client care program plus all the 12 monthly uh, reports and reviews that we have to do. I'll always call if I've appraised homes last week. It's about calling them open for inspection calls. Oh, there's so many different lists that we call. And yes, I was about to get onto the client care program because that was something that you talked about as your next step from warming these leads up that were already sitting there in the office. So tell me a little bit about, about the client care program and how you follow them up. So what happened is when I first started with O'Brien and started approaching the warm data that was in the office, they didn't know me from a bar of soap. It was quite literally, hey, you uh, bought a home off us four years ago. I'm the new local area agent. I'd like to come out tomorrow, let you know what it's worth. People that did allow me to either appraise their home in person or send the email or drop off the little pack too, which is what I did. That was in September, October that I started. It got to December and I really wanted to give them a little touch point or thank you gift. And a Christmas card was, I did a Christmas card, but I also could afford a little gift for them. Now that touch point was so successful and I actually got two listings off off the back of giving um, these clients a little gift that I thought, right, what's the next big event that's coming up that I could give them a, a small gift for as well? And that was Easter. But it turns out that every month, 
there is something that you can do for, for people, whether it's a, a Christmas gift, an Easter gift, a Mother's Day gift, Father's Day gift. Gosh, we do Halloween gifts for anyone that's got children between the age of five years old and 12 years old. I just go down to Costco and do little lolly buckets and we just deliver it to all of our clients as well. Pizza and beer for dads at, at Father's Day. That's probably the most popular one because the dads never get anything but a pair of socks and jocks from the kids. <laughs> so the fact they're getting a free beer and a pizza from the local real estate agent. It's fantastic. The only requirement is they've got to take a photo and tag me on the social media sites when they do that. So no, it's fun. It's actually really fun to give back to people and they love it. And it just, people know who you are. They refer you to friends and family very active on socials because you know you know you're giving them something so they they are more willing to share and to tag you and do those things but I love it and that's what has developed the fact that I had no data and no 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 clients in the CRM now I've got a thousand and these are good quality people who know who I am and when I ring my number's in their phone. I've talked to some agents in the past who've got thousands and thousands of, of names on their database and then they don't know what to do with them. Is a thousand names enough? Oh, it's more than enough, to be honest with you, because you've got to be relevant and you've got to be consistent. And once you start getting more than that, how do you manage that? Like, I don't know how to manage that. It's it, it's really difficult. But I've been with O'Brien for eight years now and there are a thousand people that I've sold properties to or I've actually appraised. I don't put buyers in there that have come through and open for inspection. They're not on my client care program, but people I've, I guess this sounds awful, but people I've made money from absolutely go on the client care program and they get they get the yearly CR, the yearly appraisal report. They get a Mother's Day gift if they're a mum. They get a Father's Day gift if they're a father. They get a, a Christmas bauble at Christmas time. They get Easter eggs. They get, there's all sorts of things that we do. And it's normally around six touch points per year plus the phone calls of any relevant listings or sales in the area plus they get a, a quarterly newsletter plus they get there's just so much stuff these thousand people are getting from me every year it's amazing actually and it's such good marketing people spend so so many thousands of dollars on facebook <sighs> and you know what you're doing there sounds like a really good use of marketing funds and, and time yeah well I do do that too and it was interesting just this morning I had a lady she settled on her property last week she sent me this lovely text message saying thank you so much you made the process so easy and I hope we cross paths soon and I wrote back going oh my god cross paths you're going to hear from me at least half a dozen times every year for the rest of your life like <laughs> this is it as long as you live within a QE of where my office is but you will always see me and you will always hear from me and you will always have a conversation with me at least once a quarter. I guess you know when you were starting all over again hiring assistant was probably the furthest thing from your mind but obviously you warmed up those leads you put in the client care program we're here now talking about like how you've regrown your business over a period of time at what point did you decide that it was the right time to bring other people into your business? Look, I guess um, the three most important activities for me is to list property, to negotiate and to, to manage the vendor and then to sell and be very hands-on with the buyer so that the buyer knows what the processes are, whether it's auction, private sale or expressions of interest, what how, how to buy a property. So 
I couldn't be taken away with activities like paperwork or booking photographers or all those day-to-day activities that so many agents bog themselves down with and think that it is the most important thing in the world is to have a perfect file. And believe me, I used to be, because I'm a school teacher, so I was dot the I, cross the T, make sure everything's perfect when it goes through to reception. In the end, it was like, mate, that's not dollar productive for me and I need somebody to take away that activity so that I can just focus on having conversations that move the client on to the next property and help them transact very smoothly and stress-free. If I was stressed because I had a heap of files or there was prospecting that needed to be done or brochures that needed to go out or drops that needed to be ordered, Mate, it was very quickly when I started at O'Brien and I'm talking a matter of weeks before I put on a PA. I couldn't afford it because I had no money. So I had to sit down with Stavros, the business owner, and say, help me, help me to help you because you help me and it's a win-win situation. So I was very lucky that I had a business owner that was willing to help me, saw my potential and knew, because he knew who I was over the past decade of real estate, he knew that if he helped me get up on my feet, I would hit the ground running and running very quickly. They're really supportive guys, I think. Like we've had Dean O'Brien on the podcast and and stuff in the past and I always liken O'Brien to the the footy team that everyone goes for when their team's not playing. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like, you know, they're very supportive guys, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They're absolutely amazing and um, one of the things just to go back when I did lose everything and I I did say this in my presentation at ARIC one of the things that was scariest for me was um, my son was at a very fancy school and I couldn't afford it but the guys at O'Brien again when I started they said you don't worry about that you just do what you do we'll look after the school fees and we'll sort out a way for you to um, pay us back in the future thank god they didn't have to do that but just the fact that they offered said to me this is the place to be this is the place to be for me it's interesting because I, I think I've been in a similar situation to you like many years ago the whole thought of not being able to do those things I think it can either make you or break you if someone's sitting there at the moment that sort of stress can be quite paralyzing what are your tips to get your head in the right space to go all right I can do this the heading of the presentation at Eric was don't let your past be bigger than your future And that for me was, as you said, paralyzing, you know, knowing that I had had such a big past, being a a business owner, um, running a huge high volume transactional business. All of a sudden I was a sales consultant in a suburban office. And again, to me, it was how how do I move forward? How do I start from square one? What is the mindset that I need to have to, to, to start again? And it was simply the quote that I saw, which was, don't let your past be bigger than your future. So I then had to just sit down and plan. I had to get a coach. I had to get a great team around me. I had to get a great brand behind me. And I needed to do those things that I needed, I knew had to be done. One of them was employer PA. Two was find the warm data and work with it. Three, get a client care program. Four, do regular training, not just, hey, I've done another, gone and done a coaching session. You know, sign up for a, a monthly coach. Be accountable. Have a tormentor that is going to question, what have you done? How's it all looking? Have you hit your targets? What are they? For me, it was my targets were quite simply when I first started, list three properties a month, sell three properties a month. 
Then I did that quite regularly, so I upped that target to five a month. Then it went to 10 a month. Now it's at 15 a month. You know, I had to adjust it back when COVID happened because I'm like, oh my God, we've got this global pandemic. You have to reset your targets and understand what your capabilities are and not set the bar too high sometimes because it's all a, a moving target, if you like. But now, look, we know how to deal with this pandemic in Victoria. We know that once a lockdown finishes, we do get that spike. And yeah, it's it's good. I love real estate, clearly. Like, I love it. And I love the that you have to be adaptable. Good agents are adaptable. I feel like what you just said there deserves a round of applause. If you're on stage, then I think the crowd would all be clapping because <laughs> that's quite inspirational going from three to five to 15. That's congratulations. It's oh, amazing. Thank yeah, thank you. I was talking to another agent the other day and I guess your client, with your client care program, this other agent was Will Ainsworth. He said to me, much of the work in converting the appraisal to a listing is done well before you get into the lounge room. Do you find that with all of the work that you do with your client care program, that the conversation in the lounge room when it comes time to list is quite short? Again, it depends on the personality type because the client care program is so intense and most of my um, clients, either past clients or their referrals from somebody that has dealt with me in the past, it's more of a conversational based around their situation rather than me selling myself. So yes, Will is right. My conversations and my presentations really have nothing to do with me or who I am or what my stats are because they would have checked that out online. I mean, we mentioned earlier that a lot of my marketing money goes into past clients and and making sure that they're getting little touch points. I still do have a huge online presence. I also do do a thousand letterbox drops a week. I also have billboards all over my, my core area as well. So it's just that frequency and reach that I do do but I think I I always send out a pre-list kit I also send out links to a pre-listing I guess report so that they can do that research before I walk in the door I don't want to spend half of a presentation talking about me or talking about the brand when I sit down with these people it is what is your situation what's the problem and how can I help So my last question is, my final question is, and first of all, thank you for um, sharing some of your knowledge and and your journey with everyone. As as I just said before, it's very inspirational and I know that everyone will get a lot out of it. So thank you. I guess if there was one final thing I was going to ask you is what advice would you give to your younger self or is there a, a final tip or word of advice that you'd like to leave everyone with? Just once you do the transaction, once you sell the property, once you do the appraisal, don't forget about that person. We were always told when I first started that people transact every seven years. It's much shorter than that. I've been at O'Brien for eight years and there are clients that I've sold for three, four times. You know, the one thing that I had in my former life as a sales consultant was I'd do the deal and then I'd be, it's catch and kill mentality. You know, done the deal, off to the next one. And I completely forgot about that client. And then 12 months later or two years later, I'd see a full sale board with another agency on that same listing. And I'd be like, what happened? Because they bloody loved me. I never spoke to them again. Once I handed over the keys, that was it. See you later, next. So if I could start, and that's that's one of the big lessons that I learned starting 10 years later again, was never forget that person. Just don't ever forget that person. 
put them in your database, over service them. And even if they do stay in that home for 20 years, I tell you now, they will tell every single person, every friend, family member who was thinking of selling about you if you just treat them like gold. So past clients are the lifeblood of your business. Amazing. Tanya Nevin-Jones, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Elevate with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts. Visit eliteagentelevate.com. 